When it's time to seed grass, fertilize turf, or add a pop of color to your yard, Blaine's Farm and Fleet's got you covered with unbeatable deals on lawn and garden essentials. Find value on everything you need in-store or online at farmandfleet.com. Zone. Here we use a lot of F-words. Food, fiber, and farming. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Young. You know what other F-words I'm using this morning? Freezing fog. Yeah, if you are east or southeast of Madison, you could actually encounter a little bit of a slick surface out there this morning. National Weather Service put that freezing fog advisory in effect there. Uh, Weather-wise, actually, we should manage to... Have a halfway decent Monday. Partly sunny skies on the way. 45 are expected high. Tomorrow will bounce up to 50 degrees, but we've got about a 50% chance of rain tomorrow as well. Wednesday, cooler because of the winds. 28 are expected high. Thursday, back to partly sunny skies. 33 degrees. Tumacher Ag Meteorologist, of course, has weather details on the way. Also on the way, I think all of us are continuing to pay attention to the conflict between Russia and Ukraine. Not just day-to-day developments on how people in Ukraine are trying to survive, but the ripple impact that that war is having on global food supplies. Just this morning, I see that Russia is slowing down Ukraine's international grain shipments with frivolous inspections. I'll tell you what, there is a group that's focused in on trying to provide humanitarian aid, not just to Ukraine, but also to areas of the world that suddenly are food insecure because grain can't move out of Ukraine. It's the World Food Program, and it is the world's largest humanitarian organization working to save lives in emergency situations. I'm going to be talking this morning with Chase Slova, who is one of their communications coordinators and a liaison in Washington, D.C., to make sure that people understand what the World Food Food Program is all about. Obviously, United States, a big player in helping to provide those uh, grain stocks, those feed stocks to help uh, feed the world. Stick around for that. Chase Sova, my guest this morning. Also, Stephanie Hoff is going to be along with us, focused in on what's happening with Farm Bill developments. The 2023 Farm Bill now coming up more and more in conversations, but there's an awful lot of educating that needs to go on. Now that the elections are complete, We've got a whole new set of faces out in Washington, D.C. that don't understand agriculture at all. Stephanie brings us an update on that as well. Rhodes Warm and Serve Rolls are exactly what your meal has been missing. Whether you prefer a soft white roll, an artisan French-style roll, or the tang of sourdough, Rhodes has the roll for you. We mix, knead, and bake them in Columbus, Wisconsin, then freeze them to keep them fresh and send them off to your favorite grocery store. All you have to do is heat the rolls up and serve them with a smile. Find Rhodes Rolls in the freezer section today. If farmers are checking their mailbox right about now, they'll see uh, another letter from the USDA. But this is a very important one. Bob Bosel here at the northern end of the world's longest barn. And Pam, it's time to count everything in agriculture. That is, that's exactly right, Bob. And we're talking everything, everyone. Fabulous Farm Bay Pam Yankee at the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison. We're talking about the annual USDA Ag Census, a time for producers 
to explain exactly what's going on on their operation. And it's not just about acres. It's not just about animals. It's about operators. It's also about practices. I learned more visiting with Barbara Rader. She is one of the USDA staff members under the National Ag Statistical Service that's overseeing implementation and execution of this time USDA's Ag Census. It happens routinely, and every time they try to expand the questions they're asking, the information they're gathering, just a little bit broader. Barbara tells me more about how this information matters when it comes to things like farm bill policy and just letting people know what agriculture looks like today. The Census of Agriculture is conducted every five years, and it is designed to measure changes and trends in U.S. agriculture. So essentially what it is, it's a questionnaire that's mailed out, much like a survey questionnaire, to about 2.6 million farmers and ranchers across the country. And we will ask them questions about everything related to their farm. So what's unique about this census is that it's the most comprehensive data source about agriculture at the U.S., state, and county level. Well, and it paints a picture of what agriculture looks like in many different levels. Uh, I know recently... You broaden the demographics, you broaden the uh, earned income. Tell us a little bit more about that. Absolutely. So in the last census, we uh, we got a, we actually go out and we ask uh, data users, people that use our data, what would they like to see? And they felt that we were perhaps not adequately capturing the role of women on the farm. So we designed the questionnaire so that we could get uh, more information about more people involved in the decision making and what types of decisions they were making. This year, I think the story is more about technology and modernization. So the content that we've added to the 2022 Census of Agriculture is around precision agriculture and internet access. Well, and both are big conversation topics in agriculture. Precision you might have, internet you might not. Tell people where this information ultimately lands. What good does it do for the farmer that's filling it out? Absolutely. So a lot has happened in the last five years since we did our last census. So um, once the producer fills it out, then we know you're there. And we know um, uh, so those that develop the programs and the policies that impact um, every farmer and rancher in the U.S. are going to be informed in a way that... Um, is based on statistical data rather than on supposition or um, anything else. So this information, once it's collected, it's available to everyone, not just some people, but to everyone, and it'll be available in early 2024. So we take this very seriously. It is definitely, um, it's confidential. We do not divulge any information at a record or an individual producer level. And once it's published, then that's when folks can look and see what's changed and are we really meeting the needs of those that work hard every day to uh, put food in, on our tables. One question that some of my growers had, Barbara, again, Barbara Rader along with us from USDA's National Ag Statistical Service, they are the helm that guides the Census of Agriculture multiple players in many of our operations and one survey shows up dad is the one on the mailing but daughter's the one that fills it out are we are we also trying to recognize multiple members that make decisions within a farm per se absolutely i mean everyone that contributes to the day-to-day decisions um, is captured particularly on the census of agriculture we do conduct surveys right about 400 surveys a year and um, we're here we actually capture up to four people that are making decisions on the farm and not just that but who are they um, how are they related to each other 
um, the demographics. Are they new and beginning farmers? Are they veterans? Um, the demographics in terms of age and so forth. So I think it'll be interesting to see, um, and that is all captured in the census. It's yeah. a wealth of information, and sometimes producers maybe not see directly how it um, impacts them, but we do have presence in all the states. So if anybody has any information they'd like to see kind of teased out of that data set, which is gargantuan, yeah. um, we do have people that will work with them to see that. So I guess if there was one thing I wanted to say about the census that um, is that we, we need to know that everyone is there. You know, we need if you complete right. your census then we know you're there, then you're considered. Um, and it's not just what's produced on the farm, but um, you know, just who who is producing. Yeah. Um, food and fiber, um, very important. Well, and especially now we're talking about a 2023 farm bill that may very well not be done until this information is made available. Again, it, it can be a little lengthy, Barbara. I, I don't want them to be intimidated by it because you try to make it very easy, either paper form or online. Yeah, so speaking of length and, and ease of completion, I mean, so on the 22nd of November, like I said, we are sending an invitation to farmers and ranchers to please complete it online. So we're going to start that way, and we've uh, invested a lot of resources just to make sure that the form is easy for the producer. In fact, if we um, sometimes it will actually tabulate, you know, something's up for you and so forth. So you're able to see that what you're reporting is as accurate as possible. And you can come back to it if you're not quite done. You yep. can do it on your tablet. You can do it on your iPhone. You can do it on your desktop. So, um, but sell paper is an option if that's what your preference is. So, But don't just throw it away because USDA is persistent. You will continue to circle back with those that have not responded. I'm sorry I chuckle, but it's true. We are we are tenacious, absolutely. We will start it on the 22nd of November and you'll, you'll hear and hear from us until, because I mean, it's so important. We wanna make sure that we have as complete a count as possible. So, um, and things get, I mean, we're all busy, right? So, but one thing you can count on is that we'll keep sending those questionnaires until, until we get a response. That's funny. What is the, what is the end date that USDA has drawn in the, the line in the sand when it's going to be completed? Uh, the line in the sand is February 7th, but uh, I, will, I say but, uh, February 7th is when we would like all the responses in, but we will also make sure that if we do, we will be looking at, the, at a lot of things, right? We want to make sure if it takes a little longer to get a complete and quality product, then we're going to continue. Barbara Rader, she is the Director of Census and Survey for the U.S. Department of Agriculture's National Ag Statistical Service. Now remember that Census of Agriculture survey was sent out to farms nationwide beginning November 22nd. You will have until February of 2023 to complete that census. If you have not received your census in the mail and believe that you should be included in the count, contact your local Farm Service Agency office and they can give you direction. Now, don't think that just the Census of Agriculture is all that Barbara Rader is doing. She is also involved in the Census of Aquaculture, the Census of Horticulture. They're also surveying irrigation and water management team members, as well as local food production groups. So a lot of different surveys that are going on at the U.S. Department of Agriculture's National Ag Statistical Service, but the one we're focused in on from now through February is the Census of Agriculture. From the southern end of the world's longest part of Madison, I'm Farm Director Pam Yonke.
This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. You kind of got to look at it from a Ziegler point of view and a customer point of view and get them into the piece of equipment that's going to benefit their operation. Well, we've really come to trust Ziegler, their support staff, their service trucks. We've had them working on our shop and a tractor till 2 in the morning to get it ready for the next day. When they come on your farm, they're going to stay until they get the job done. Ziegler's service allows us to be ready to run whenever we need to, rain or shine. For agriculture equipment, ZieglerAg.com. We're going where I've never gone before, Agricultural Wonders of Iceland. I'm Pam Yankee, inviting you to join us on our next agriculture adventure, March 11th through the 17th. Discover Iceland's best-known national treasures and indulge in its agricultural delights. We'll tour the Golden Circle Pack geothermal wonders and majestic waterfalls. We'll make a stop at the world-famous Blue Lagoon for a relaxing day at this natural spa. Part of our agricultural highlights include a stop at a historic sheep farm to enjoy a scrumptious lunch from ingredients produced right there on the farm in the surrounding areas. And of course, at night, we'll search the night sky for the breathtaking Aurora Borealis. Visit HolidayVacations.com, keyword PAM, to learn more about this tour and watch a travel show. Or call 888-557-1020 for a free brochure. That's 888 888- 557-1020 for that brochure. Experienced electricians, come join our family-owned team. Here's Ariel. At EverReady, we are his sponsor for the apprenticeship program. I like the small company feel, that family feel. If you have a problem, you can directly go to the owners firsthand. It speaks a lot about their values and how they value their employees. Competitive wages. Great atmosphere, great benefits. Apply at everreadyelectric.net for all your electrical needs. We are EverReady. Connecting producers and consumers one story at a time. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Well, I don't know about you, but I actually thought that the weather we enjoyed over the Thanksgiving weekend was pretty doggone nice. I mean, for a while there, after we saw that craziness that uh, we had, what, 10 days ago, almost two weeks now. I thought we were in for the long haul. Let's talk weather. It's Tumuk Ag Meteorologist joining us on a Compure Financial Ag Weather Monday. Did you kind of feel the same way? I mean, honestly, when you can go to a Badger game and almost feel like you can go short sleeves at the end of November, that's a gift. Yeah, it was a real nice spell. Maybe not what the deer hunters are hoping for, but yeah, we had a real nice break, a real good way here to wrap up November But then again, November ends on Wednesday, and by that time, we may all talk about a little snow, at least some snowflakes in a few areas, and I do expect there will be some rain to deal with. Yeah, that kind of makes you question as well what's exactly playing out here. There's a frontal boundary out to our west this morning. That frontal boundary still west of Minnesota, but it's going to move east pretty quickly, pass through Wisconsin by later Tuesday. By Wednesday morning, I expect it to be pulling away from the eastern part of the state. Now, ahead of that front, expect more of a southerly breeze for today and tonight. So much more mild air builds in. It's all well and good. Helps keep those temperatures very mild. Sounds wonderful. Should back up and say, yeah, that front's out to the west. There's some very light snow on the radar in far northwest Minnesota, up into Canada, 
back into North Dakota. So nothing much building yet. But that front isn't the key feature. As it moves in, then a wave of low pressure will build up out of the southwest. So as that front starts to edge in by later Tuesday, there could be a little rain chance. But I think it's Tuesday night that as that wave of low pressure pushes northeast, we may talk more about showers. And there could be some snow to the west and north. North central Wisconsin would appear to be the bullseye for a couple of inches of snow that may extend down toward the Boston area. Otherwise, I expect lighter precipitation for most of us. Western Wisconsin could see a couple of tenths of an inch of rain and then maybe a little sloppy snow accumulating as we head through Wednesday. And if you think about it, when I'm talking about rain and sloppy snow that accumulates, you know those temperatures are going to begin to cool as well. So very mild today, even warmer tomorrow. Man, it sounds fantastic. But by Wednesday, by the last day of the month and on toward Thursday, we're looking at upper 20s or low 30s, back to that below normal temperature level. As we get December underway, it does dry out then. I expect on through the end of the week, a pretty good chance to stay dry. But a little on the cooler side, at least through midweek, those temps may rise a bit as we head toward the end of the week or just to start the weekend. I'll have forecast details right after this. As a dairy farmer, you depend on your milk receiver pump. McFin Technologies of Kenosha introduces the impressive Bowpeller pump. It's quieter, there's lower maintenance, as the seals last much longer than your old milk receiver pump. It offers a more powerful cleaning cycle with higher velocities, and it doesn't degrade the quality of your milk. Ask your dealer for the Bowpeller milk receiver pump, patented by McFin Technologies, an American company committed to providing a better product for the dairy industry. Rhodes Warm and Serve Rolls are exactly what your meal has been missing. Whether you prefer a soft white roll, an artisan French style roll, or the tang of sourdough, Rhodes has a roll for you. We mix, knead, and bake them in Columbus, Wisconsin. Then freeze them to keep them fresh and send them off to your favorite grocery store. All you have to do is heat the rolls up and serve them with a smile. Find Rhodes Rolls in the freezer section today. Alrighty, Stu, let's get some more details out there. Like we were talking about before we got on the air, there was that frost uh, frost fog advisory for anybody east of Madison. Uh, just kind of, it's going to be that way from time to time at this time in the morning, isn't it? Yeah, as the moist air builds in, those temperatures, you know, we, we hold closer to freezing or a bit below in the early morning hours. I see a dense fog advisory this morning just south of Janesville, south of the Illinois border, Rockford areas east toward Chicago and further south. But our Compure Financial Ag Weather update is indeed for a mostly sunny Monday, and I expect a lot of near mid-40s. How about that? 44, 45. Southeast and south winds about 5 to 15. Clouds develop later tonight. We still hold in the mid-30s with the south winds at 5 to 15. Then a cloudy day Tuesday for most of us. Some rain develops in the afternoon. Uh, early in the west, later in the afternoon, further east. Temps in the upper 40s, maybe a 50 at Madison. Southeast winds gusting to 25. And then that rain could mix with a bit of snow, especially in the west and north Tuesday night or early Wednesday. We may all see a little snow shower, some light snow. Partly sunny skies develop Wednesday, upper 20s pan, and the west winds gusting near 25-30, even a 35-mile-per-hour gust of possibility. That's going to seem downright chilly when you compare it to yesterday <laughs> or even today. Yeah. You know, we've got uh, Wisconsin Farm Bureau Federation State Convention coming up later this week. And, I mean, granted, the temperatures are going to fluctuate, but at least it doesn't look like glare ice or a massive snowstorm before everybody uh, comes together in Wisconsin Dells. 
No, shouldn't be any problem with that. But uh, the temperatures will be up and down a little bit. But, hey, that's early December, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. Very good, buddy. We'll catch up with you tomorrow and see where we stand. Appreciate the update. You bet. Have a great day. All righty. Stu Mockar, Ag Meteorologist, kicking us off with a forecast for your Monday. And again, like we said, it's all brought to you courtesy of Compure Financial. They are your partners when it comes to agriculture and rural lifestyle. Just check out Compure.com, find out what they've got going on and some of the community services that they're also providing for a lot of folks in rural Wisconsin, Minnesota, as well as northern Illinois. All right, coming up, uh, we are going to give a little time and attention to What's happening as far as the world food supply? You know, in agriculture, we're all about producing it. Sometimes we don't think about where it gets used. I'm going to focus in on that with the World Food Program on this Monday. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. When it comes to selecting your seed corn partner, we know you've got a choice to make. At Wiffle's Hybrids, we've made a choice, too. A choice to remain independent. A choice to remain farm family-owned. A choice to stay American. So, when it's time for you to make your choice, make a statement. Plant your independence. Plant Wiffle's. Nobody knows windows like Wanakee Remodeling. Voted the best window company in Madison 10 years straight, our Renewal by Anderson windows are the most weather-tight, highest quality, and most durable on the market. Make sure you eliminate your old window and door problems. Go with the most trusted name in windows, Renewal by Anderson, from Wanakee Remodeling. Rural Mutual is the number one farm insurer in Wisconsin for a good reason. As a company founded by farmers, they understand the ag industry and its challenges. Local agents offer farm families the best advice and personalized coverage. Visit RuralMutual.com to find an agent near you. Rural Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. While you spent a lot more time around your home the last couple of years, you may have noticed a few things you'd like to have spruced up. Sign up for W.E. Davies Handyman Membership, and they'll help you stay ahead of the maintenance and repairs with a professional result. Boycott putting things off. W.E. Davies & Sons Remodeling brings a fresh perspective to your building project. We're a local family business with services from handyman fixes to living space upgrades. For stunning, transformative results, visit wedaviesremodeling.com. Create the floors you love this season with DIY and budget-friendly flooring from Wiseway. With Wiseway Flooring's direction, you'll only need to be moderately handy to accomplish brand new floors. I'm Mike Yenser at Wiseway Flooring, inviting you to visit our showroom in Watertown, Lake Mills, and Economwalk. See how our do-it-yourself products might be the right thing for you. Commercial or residential, the wise have it. Log on to INeedFlooringNow.com. You would never overpay for something if you knew you could get the product for much less elsewhere. Much like you wouldn't pay $6 a gallon for gas if the pump down the street was charging the fair market price 
of $4, would you? So why pay more than MSRP on your next Chevy truck? Bergstrom Chevrolet is a local, family-owned company that values your dollar as much as you do, so you never pay above manufacturer's suggested retail price. And Bergstrom has the inventory to fill your fleet or fix you up with the truck that's going to pull your toys. So go ahead, shop around, and compare that final cost. If the guys down the street are blowing smoke up your tailpipe, jacking up the price on their Chevy trucks stop by bergstrom chevrolet where you never get charged over msrp in the field the right partner can make all the difference one that's dependable straightforward and is there when you need them that's lg seeds from our hybrids and soybean varieties to our service and support Reliability is in everything we do. Start this season right with LG Seeds. Talk to your local dealer or visit lgseeds.com for more information. We're going where I've never gone before, Agricultural Wonders of Iceland. I'm Pam Yonke, inviting you to join us on our next agriculture adventure, March 11th through the 17th. Discover Iceland's best-known national treasures and indulge in its agricultural delights. We'll tour the Golden Circle Pack Geothermal Wonders and Majestic Waterfalls. We'll make a stop at the world-famous Blue Lagoon for a relaxing day at this natural spa. Part of our agricultural highlights include a stop at a historic sheep farm to enjoy a scrumptious lunch from ingredients produced right there on the farm in the surrounding areas. And of course, at night, we'll search the night sky for the breathtaking Aurora Borealis. Visit HolidayVacations.com, keyword PAM, to learn more about this tour and watch a travel show. Or call 888-557-1020 for a free brochure. That's 888 888- Five five seven ten twenty for that brochure. And I've nailed like so far every move the Brewers have made. It's just easy when you look at their contracts, know how the Brewers operate, and you know where their farm <laughs> system's at. But the Hunter Renfro deal. Yeah, how the Brewers operate? Cheap, cheap, cheap. So they got three pitchers: Jansen Junk, Elvis Pagero, and Adam Simoneris. Yeah. So Jansen Junk was the only guy that I had known of off the top of my head. He was the number 16 prospect in the Angels organization, came up last season, pitched a little bit in the big leagues the last couple of years. He actually took a no-hitter deeper into like his fifth start in the big leagues. But what Jansen Junk is, being the 16th prospect for the Angels, he'll probably come into the Brewers farm system and he'll be rated higher just based on the fact that the Brewers top 10 prospects are decent. Everyone else in their farm system aren't very good. So he'll come in and be higher rated than he was in the Angels system. But really, when you look at Jansen Junk, he's a guy that probably right now, if he came in and pitched on your big league roster is probably like your sixth starter. We know the Brewers like to use six starters. They like to have six or seven that are big league serviceable so that uh, if injuries come up and just the fact that we know that they don't like to ride the big league arms for seven, eight innings every game, he'll be used this year. You know, his ceiling to me is probably like a fourth starter. He's probably like a council lets him go over five innings. He's probably like a a four man in your five man rotation. at best. He's probably very similar to like an Adrian Hauser. Now Elvis, Elvis Peguero, he's a guy that's interesting 
because he in the minor leagues in AAA is electric fastball slider guy, throws hard. But then when you talk about the big leagues, he struggled with control. Mike Trout made comments about him tipping pitches, and it just hasn't. Yeah, he was not happy with him. He has not panned out in the big leagues, but it is a guy that could come in, be on your big league roster, and he's still young. He's only 25 years old. All these guys are young. It's not like any of them were trading for like a 30-year-old quadruple-A player. He'll probably be a nice low-leverage reliever, probably like a Gustave was this year for the Brewers, something around there. And then Adam Simonaris, he's the lottery ticket in this. The lottery ticket, he's a young guy, was only drafted in, in 2020. He's a guy that profiles to being either a starting pitcher or a solid middle reliever, and it's kind of like if he can get by in the big leagues with the lack of pitches that he has, he'll probably be a 3-4-5 starter, but he would translate well into the bullpen. So overall, I'm not upset. It's kind of predictable. It's kind of a meh trade for me. You knew that Hunter Renfro was going to be dealt. Mm -hmm. I was actually anticipating that they would get a higher, slightly higher ranked prospect and then the low lottery ticket. But the Brewers decided to go with three arms and I guess get another bite at the apple so that uh, maybe more than just one guy could hit for him. We'll see. It is kind of what it is at this point. All right, there it is, Rowdy, with the breakdown of the Brewers trade. Uh, Benjamin, uh, I have to ask you a question. Well, I have a very simple take on the Brewers trade, by the way. Well, Wait. well can I ask my question first? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jansen Junk, <laughs> the worst or best name for a pitcher? Um, in theory, it could be the best. The problem is the Angels have not developed a pitcher in like 25 years. Well, I, I went to YouTube because I was like, um, of the next guy, Elvis Pagero. I was like trying to figure out how to say his name correctly because I go to YouTube here announcers say it. So I go to YouTube, I type in his name. The first thing that comes up, Mike Trout notices his pitcher tipping pitches. The next one, Mike Trout frustrated by Angels pitcher tipping pitches. The next one, Yankees figure out pitcher is tipping pitches, a yep. breakdown. And then the fourth one, Elvis Pagaro secures the win. Listen, it's like... <laughs> As I tweeted, you don't go to the University of Wisconsin in the NFL draft to find quarterbacks. We don't develop quarterbacks that are good in the NFL. The Angels do not develop pitchers ever. So, um, Who's the last pitcher you think they developed? That's a good question. I'm going to go with Jared Weaver. That's a good one, but that era, that's like 15 years ago. I know. <laughs> I know. That's a long time ago. Um, so uh, nice salary dump, Mr. Arnold. Hot start to the offseason. Um, good thing you can trade Wong now and not pay anybody. Well, now at this point, when you look at the Brewers roster and what's left, you're probably going to shop Wong. You're probably going to get somewhat of a similar deal as you just got with Renfro, probably a decent prospect and a lottery ticket type prospect. But then all other guys that could potentially be traded because it's the Milwaukee Brewers and we know that they don't want to spend money. Brandon Woodruff, Corbin Burns, Rowdy Telez now with John Singleton being... You bet she thinks your tractor's sexy. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Partly sunny skies on the way. 45 are expected high for today. Bouncing up to 50 degrees tomorrow under cloudy skies. Good 50% chance of rain tomorrow. And Wednesday, colder because of the wind. 28 are expected high. I'm glad you're along with us. I'm Pam Yankee. Here it is already, the 28th day of November. On this day, back in 1951, the first inductees went into the Wisconsin Athletic Hall of Fame. They had 14 athletes that were in 
inducted into the Wisconsin Athletic Hall of Fame during ceremonies at the Milwaukee Arena. Some that were inducted included boxer Richie Mitchell, football greats Clark Hinkle, Don Hudson, Ernie Nevers, Pat O'Day, and Dave Schreiner. Also sprinter Ralph Metcalf and wrestler Strangler Lewis went into the Wisconsin Athletic Hall of Fame, the first of the class of 1951 inducted in this on this date. On this day in 1964, NASA launches Mariner 4, the first spacecraft to make a flyby of Mars. The spacecraft was the first one to send images of a planet back to Earth. Mariner 4 gets launched on this day back in 1964. Happy birthday to actor Ed Harris, 72 today, and actor-comedian John Stewart. He is 60 years young. And now you know. The election is in the rearview mirror, but boy, the challenges remain, especially for agriculture that's hoping for a discussion on a 2023 farm bill. Many new faces in Washington, D.C., not many of which are familiar with agriculture. Stephanie Hoff has more. Agriculture organizations are hard at work making sure Congress has a handle on what's going to be essential for the industry in the next Farm Bill. I'm Stephanie Hoff for the Midwest Farm Report. Andrew Bailey is the science and technology lead for the National Pork Producers Council. That's the lobbying arm for pork producers. He's got his hands full getting new Congress members up to speed on farm policy, and he tells us more about the Farm Bill discussions around the economy, environment, and biosecurity. The Farm Bill provides, you know, one of the key legislative tools we have uh, to address agricultural priorities. And for us, uh, a big concern is shoring up and expanding those uh, those programs that we got established in the last Farm Bill. What we would call the three-legged stool of animal health, which is the uh, vaccine bank, the National Animal Health Lab Network funding, and the NADPREP, which is the National Animal Disease Preparedness and Response Program. And, and those programs are really about building capacity domestically to make Make sure that if a disease were to come here, uh, we'd be able to respond to it, uh, you, know, you know, rapidly and effectively. Um, and those are all funded through the Farm Bill. Um, we we really got those set up in the last Farm Bill. It took a lot of education, you know, time working, uh, not just with legislators but with other livestock groups to, to get those established. Um, and I think now that we're everyone's still rowing in the same direction, it'll it'll be uh, I wouldn't say easier, uh, but it won't be as much of an uphill climb to to make sure those programs stay in the stay in the farm bill and get uh, additional support so it, it may seem like a no-brainer uh, to shore up those animal health resources to prevent any further supply chain disruption if it were the case that african swine fever would get to our into our borders but what is the appetite among legislators for those animal health programs are they supportive on both sides of the aisle yeah, you know, we have we have very widespread support for those programs. I think over since the 2018 Farm Bill, uh, at least, those programs have really shown their value. Um, you know, legislators have seen that they are effective. Uh, the animal health labs in particular were very active during COVID conducting, uh, you know, sampling and testing. Um, and, and they've shown their worth um, in other foreign animal disease outbreaks outside of the pork industry. And it's something that we, not just the pork industry thinks is, is important, but really the entire barnyard uh, thinks is important. 
Aside from animal health, I got to believe there's also some economic issues that, that the pork industry wants to address in the Farm Bill. Can you outline some of those other policy priorities? Some of the biggest parts of the Farm Bill are, are conservation, and that's obviously a, a big focus of not just policymakers, but a lot of farmers today. Um, and the pork industry has a really good story to tell about that uh, and, and our efforts on environmental uh, issues. You know, we as the pork industry, we export a lot of product, um, you know, a quarter to a third of production, I think. Uh, you'd have to ask our trade folks. Um, but the foreign market development and the market access program uh, are both funded uh, heavily through the Farm Bill, um, and we're very involved in, in making sure that those programs also are funded um, because that's really about getting access to foreign markets for American agricultural products. Um, and we, uh, as a big export, uh, with, with export as, as big of a part of our industry as it is, uh, we, we, we are uh, big supporters of that. And there you have it, some insight into what pork is bringing to the table when it comes to farm policy, specifically when it comes to forming that 2023 Farm Bill. That's Andrew Bailey. He works directly with Congress on Capitol Hill to share what will and won't work for the U.S. pork industry. For the Midwest Farm Report, I'm Stephanie Hoff. As a proud sponsor of the WIAA, Rural Mutual roots for all of Wisconsin student-athletes. Whether they're a hometown hero or they dream of the national spotlight, sportsmanship keeps Wisconsin strong. Visit RuralMutual.com WIAA to learn more about how they support high school athletics. Rural Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. Rhodes Warm and Serve Rolls are exactly what your meal has been missing. Whether you prefer a soft white roll, an artisan French style roll, or the tang of sourdough, Rhodes has the roll for you. We mix, knead, and bake them in Columbus, Wisconsin. Then freeze them to keep them fresh and send them off to your favorite grocery store. All you have to do is heat the rolls up and serve them with a smile. Find Rhodes Rolls in the freezer section today. Two real quick reminders. Don't forget, tomorrow is Professional Dairy Producers Dairy Insights Conference happening at the Sheraton Hotel in Madison beginning at 9 a.m. Focused in on food trends and how agriculture fits into those conversations. And then don't forget, Wednesday, if you're in the Madison area, we've got our free travel shows for our trip to Iceland. 10 a.m., 1 p.m., and 5.30 p.m. right here at the Radio Ranch, Midwest Family Broadcasting, 730 Rayovac Drive. No need to RSVP, just show up. Markets are not showing up this morning. In Chicago, December corn right now is down four cents, currently at 663. January soybeans, they're currently down eight cents at 1428. December wheat's down nine at 766. Again, barrel block double A butter did not trade on Friday. Right now, class three milk in Chicago for December down 16 cents at 2015, a hundredweight. Going into the winter, scary business for people that can't find enough food. We're visiting next with a Wisconsin native who is now a part of the World Food Program team. Stick around. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. In the field, it's good to have a friend you can count on. One that's hardworking, trustworthy always shows up, just like LG Seeds. Our corn hybrids and soybean varieties deliver consistent performance across all your acres, giving you reliable yield you can expect. Start this season right with LG Seeds. 
talk to your local dealer, or visit lgseeds.com for more information. You're no stranger to hard work and eating right, but your abs are more like flabs. Carbon World Health offers MSculpt, an FDA-approved treatment for men who want to transform their physique. One session is equivalent to 20,000 crunches without the painful recovery. Melt fat, build and tone muscle, then start getting the results you're looking for. MSculpt at Carbon World Health. Learn more at CarbonWorldHealth.com. We're known for our sweet moves, but what you might not know is that we can store your stuff too. Yep, from one day to one year. We can hold on to your things on our trucks or in our warehouse. This is Brenda from Mad City Moving. We call that the unexpected storage move. Mad City Moving dominates any move. Their crew will handle your things well, like your things deserve to be handled. Online at madcitymoving.com. Mad City Moving. You haven't seen moves like these before. Sometimes people think we're the bathroom remodeling place that just covers up your old stuff. It's how Rebath got its start 40 years ago. But just as technology has improved since dial phones, we've grown to become a total bathroom remodeling company. Free in-home consultation, free custom design, an affordable new bath in just days, not weeks. Visit our showroom on Stoughton Road or Rebath.com. Rebath, making it easy to love your bath. If your workout includes baling hay and pitching pens, then you'll be comfortable right here. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Comfortable. What makes you comfortable? I think everybody's got their own definition. Some people think about the clothes or shoes that they're wearing. Other people think about the home they live in. Comfortable. What if comfort meant just having enough food? There's a lot of people in the world, especially at this time of the year going into winter, that are facing food insecurity. Where do they turn for help? Well, no matter where they are in the world, the World Food Program is there. Now, I had not really thought much about the World Food Program until I was at our recent farm broadcaster convention where I met up with Chase Sova. He's actually a Wisconsin native, grew up in Spooner. Now he is one of the liaisons for the World Food Program in Washington, D.C. The World Food Program is the world's largest humanitarian organization, and it travels everywhere to make sure that people are finding food security. Not an easy undertaking these days. I asked Chase Sova from Spooner, Wisconsin, to explain a little bit more about what the World Food Program's doing today, and maybe more importantly, what it needs to continue its mission into the future. Uh, World Food Program USA is a nonprofit organization that supports the mission of the United Nations World Food Program here in the United States. So we do that in a couple different ways. We do that by uh, garnering support from the private sector, so corporations, foundations, individuals who want to provide uh, some assistance, either in kind or cash, to the World Food Program and the work that they're doing. And then we also do a lot of work up on Capitol Hill, which is really my day job, uh, trying to educate lawmakers on the value of the UN World Food Program uh, and the importance of providing international food aid and assistance, especially in this moment. So that's really what we do. The World Food Program, you can think of as the global safety net for people who are, find themselves 
in severe hunger emergencies. So when uh, there's an act of God or a climate event or man-made conflict increasingly and people don't know where to turn for hunger, very often it's the World Food Program that comes in and provides that to them. So this is a massive organization. We're working in almost 100 countries. We provide assistance to about 150 million people a year in the form of about 15 billion, with a B, meals. Um, so that's really what the World Food Program does in a nutshell. Now, we, you said some of it's weather-related and then it's yeah. geopolitical. Everybody's going to train their eye on Ukraine and Russia and how that has complicated your job some, Chase. That's right. So, you know, coming into this year, we were already warning of a year of catastrophic hunger, right? We had the COVID-19 shocks to the economy in many developing countries. There was a loss, loss of foreign exchange. It made it very difficult for, for lower income countries to be importing food to begin with. Uh, right now, we've got about 350 million people uh, in about 80 different countries who are facing life-threatening hunger. It's not just that they're skipping meals. It's they don't know where their next meal is going to come from. So we had all of that happening even prior to the events in Ukraine. And with Russia's invasion, suddenly a really important global breadbasket was shut down. And you, of course, had the, the obvious impacts of that. You saw the increased price of food uh, over the last six months, really at levels that we haven't seen for at least a decade, uh, but really setting new records for global commodity prices. Uh, and then on top of that, we had a lot of stranded assets in Ukraine. We had a lot of grain, wheat in particular, corn, uh, sunflower oil that was trapped there uh, and wasn't able to get out of, of uh, elevators in, in those major ports. So we really uh, have been trying to influence and lobby uh, for the opening of that port in southern Ukraine uh, so that we can get some of that product moving again through the Black Sea into places where it needs to be. It's really important that that channel remains open. That's going to bring global food prices down. It's going to allow WFP, the World Food Program, to procure again and buy the wheat that we need for humanitarian operations from Ukraine and get that breadbasket back online. Now, we do have some good news this morning in that it looks like the deal was just extended by another yep. 120 days. That's going to be very helpful. We hope that we can keep it open even after that. Um, but yeah, so the, the, the crisis in Ukraine has really come at a bad time for global hunger. Uh, it was already going to be a very difficult year. Chase Sova along with us from the World Food Program. Now, you mentioned, obviously, this is about helping people eat. Explain how U.S. farmers play in on that role. We're talking about raw commodities, Chase, that I can't just grab a, a bushel basket full of grain and eat it necessarily. So tell me how this whole process comes together. Well, I think it's important to understand that the United States has been in this food assistance and food aid business for a very, very long time, really since the start of this union. But back in 1950s, we established some permanent programs that allowed us to buy American commodities from U.S. farmers, ship it abroad to people in need. And that's still a big part of the U.S. food aid basket. Now, we do some cash-based assistance now out of the U.S. Agency for International Development and USDA. But the, the role that American farmers play in this cannot be understated, right? Over the last 10 years, we've bought, the U.S. Agency for International Development has bought about 12 million metric tons of grain from dozens of, dozens of states across the union, and that's gone to reach about 300 million people, and that's just in the last 10 years. 
So the role the American farmer play, uh, you know, we talk a lot about American farmers feeding the world, but in our case, that's exactly what's happening here. Uh, oftentimes it is corn, it's soybean, it is corn-soy blends, sometimes it's peanuts that go into yeah. therapeutic foods. So it's really across the board, the products that USAID is buying for use in these programs and then delivering through very often the World Food Program to people in need. Describe for me more the needing areas in the yeah. world. I mean, I think people automatically go to Africa, some of those places, but share your vision on where the real problems lie. And aside from getting people food, does the World Food Program do anything to try to help them feed themselves? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, the hunger hotspots, right now we've got about a million people who are facing famine-like conditions in places like South Sudan, in Afghanistan, in Ethiopia, uh, in, a few other, in Yemen, and a few other countries. So, uh, you know, the headlines that you're reading in the news are a pretty good indication of where the global hunger hotspots are. You know, the war in Syria has been ongoing for 11 years. The war in Yemen has been ongoing for eight years. When you have man-made conflict, the natural outcome of that is global hunger. The other hotspots right now, though, are climate-related, right? In the east, in the Horn of Africa and East Africa, where we have farmers there have been waiting for three, four, or five years for rains to come. And so in the Horn of Africa, there are massive global hunger needs, and that's where we see a lot of, uh, a lot of emergency assistance heading right now. Uh, but, you know, the, there, are, there are 80, 90 different countries where the World Food Program is working with varying levels of emergencies. Uh, it's just that most of the, most of the headline-grabbing emergencies are the ones where we're, we're operating in. And do you provide assistance to try to help them turn their situation around, grow their own food? Or I'm guessing if I've been waiting five years for rain, it's, that's kind of tough. Yeah, I, I mean, I heard once the, a former executive director of the World Food Program say, we cannot afford to save the same life twice. And I think that's a really interesting way to think about it. We do have to get ahead of the development challenges in these countries so that people can be self-sustaining and feeding yeah. themselves. So a big part of what WFP is doing, apart from delivering humanitarian assistance, is working on those livelihood efforts to try to get people uh, on a better footing. So that sometimes that involves the development of rural feeder roads to be able to bring things to market. Uh, sometimes it's the development of irrigation infrastructure. Sometimes it is uh, land reclamation and rehabilitation. So this is... Uh, in particular in the African Sahel, where you have a lot of desertification and climate impacts, we're working a lot with communities there on these integrated resilience programs uh, that allow people to get planting again. And we do this a lot in partnership. So the World Food Program is first and foremost a humanitarian organization. We want to feed people when they need to be fed. But we're working with organizations like the Food and Agriculture Organization, uh, UNHCR, UNICEF, others as well, as long, along with a lot of local partners in those places to try to build, build that resilience. It's changing lives. It's saving lives. That's Chase Sova. He is a Spooner, Wisconsin native who now is a liaison for the World Food Program in Washington, D.C. He said right now it is about trying to educate those congressional leaders on the need for financing for the World Food Program to help with things like food security globally. What's the projections on need in 2023? Well, as you might expect, the need greater than ever before. So the World Food Program 
trying to step in. You want to find out more and follow along on some of the global stories connected to the World Food Program, a part of the United Nations? Go to WFP.org. WFP.org. Interesting conversation with Chase Sova. Another interesting conversation, I'm sure, coming your way 